Well, if you have your Bibles, friends, grab them, unlock them, and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We continue our study in this book this afternoon. I hope this study has been a blessing for you. I know for me, studying Proverbs has been incredibly eye-opening, helpful, even humbling. And if you're jumping in with us for the first time this afternoon in Proverbs, we've been considering this book off and on since September of last year. So last fall, we worked our way slowly through the first nine chapters of Proverbs, which are lectures given from a father to his son, trying to to get his son to see why the path of wisdom that ends in life is so, so much better than the path of foolishness that ends in death. And in the three or four weeks since Christmas now, we've been kind of turning a page in Proverbs, literally and metaphorically, Uh, to the the second and last section. It's a much bigger section in this book. And this is composed of of sayings that are mostly not connected. Uh, Sayings showing how how wisdom and and folly work themselves out in our day-to-day lives. The past three weeks, we've thought about specific kind of really granular, practical issues in our lives and and how we can uh, think about them wisely. We thought about money, work, and speech, our talk. And and we're trying to think about, okay, if I'm going to be wise, how am I going to be wise in these specific areas? But today we're going to zoom out a bit and do something just a little bit different and consider a topic in Proverbs, something Proverbs emphasizes over and over again, uh, but not, not a specific thing like work or money, but instead more of a heart posture towards everything something that is absolutely necessary, absolutely crucial, if we're ever going to have any hope of being wise at all. And that is humility. Wisdom and humility are inextricably linked. You will never be wise if you're not first humble. So church, as we come to God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, and powerful word this afternoon, let's see how humility affects three different things, and those will be our points together. Humility affects our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of others. Humility affects our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of others. So first, let's think about our view of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. So way back on September the 20th of last year, over at Franklin Park, Hillsborough Pavilion, we looked at these first few verses of Proverbs. Uh, and there in verse 7, closing out this sort of preamble in Proverbs, we see what has been called the motto of Proverbs. So, we're almost through January, but perhaps you're still kind of journaling or thinking or, or dreaming about a motto for this year. Well, what's going to get you out of bed in the morning this year? Well, here's the motto of Proverbs. Here's the motto of the pursuit of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, this concept, the fear of the Lord, I don't know about you, but this is one of those concepts that I, I fear to teach, because I'm not sure if I understand it all the way through either. Uh, 
but I'm helped by having to study it and try to understand it so I can present it to you. So thank you for that opportunity. The concept of the fear of the Lord doesn't go away as we continue in Proverbs from chapter 1, verse 7. It keeps coming up repeatedly. In chapter 2, the fear of the Lord is paired with the knowledge of God. In chapter 8, it's called the hatred of evil. In chapter 9, it's, it's the beginning of wisdom. In chapter 14, it's the fountain of life. In chapter 19, it's said to lead to life. So what's the fear of the Lord? I, I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about the word fear, I think of an unhealthy place, a, a place of anxiety, or maybe there's a threat of danger, right? And, and this word here can mean things like respect, all the way over to all-out terror. So that's not really helpful. What, what does this actually mean when God talks about it in the book of Proverbs? Well, in the book of Proverbs, what we see in this concept, this idea of the fear of the Lord, is a relationship with God in which we see him for who he is and live in submission to him. So, the Bible scholar Tremper Longman, he says it this way, indisputable is the basic premise that to fear the Lord is to stand in a subservient position to him and to acknowledge one's dependence on him. To fear the Lord means to know him intimately, to have relationship with him, to obey him as his servant, to love him, as his child. Another author puts it this way. He says, the fear of the Lord is an affectionate reverence. That's a great pairing, isn't it? Affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. And this dependence, this submission are the foundation of true wisdom. If we don't get this right, if we don't get this piece right, we're never going to finish the puzzle. We'll never be wise. If we don't get our relationship with God, that, that vertical relationship rightly understood, we'll never rightly understand the purpose of the life he's designed for us to live. This is why we've defined wisdom through our study in Proverbs as the right view of God and his world and living life in light of that. Wisdom always begins with the right view of God, fearing him above all else, serving him above all else, and then living your life like you believe it's true. So perhaps you've heard of the acronym DTR. Stands for define the relationship and refers mostly, at least in my experience, that important conversation in a relationship between a guy and a girl when you get real and you discuss what your relationship is all about, what name it should have, if any, what the future holds. I mean, are you dating? Are you just friends? What's the deal? And based on what you define that relationship to be, really, that affects everything going forward, right? Well, forgive me for this leap, but I think it helps. Fearing the Lord is your ultimate lifelong DTR. It's defining what it means to be the creature and serve the creator. And that, that 
that relationship definition affects everything else going on in your life forever. Who's your Lord? Who gets to say what your good life will be? To whom do you swear allegiance? The Bible says if you're wise, the answer to those questions will always be God alone. And that's where wisdom starts. All around us, right? All all that we see around us, leafless trees that in due season are going to start budding soon, and you guys are going to start stuffy noses because of that. Like a, a vast sky that's home to clouds that pour out rain. Men, women, and children who love, love and laugh and, and pray. All we see around us, friends, is the design of a creator. And God has made all those things I just mentioned and so much more to bring him glory. That's our purpose. That's the purpose of everything. So therefore, wisdom... Right living means living in submission to the master designer and shaping our lives right after his master plan. Wisdom starts with a right view of God. It begins with the fear of the Lord. So if all that's true, if this is our relationship with God, then think about it. If you want to be wise, you need to fear the Lord. And if you want to fear the Lord, what do you need? You need to be humble. You need to recognize you aren't the master designer of your life, that you serve the master designer of your life. You need to see that there's no shortcut to wisdom that doesn't include humbling yourself and seeing God for who he is and you for who you really are. Coming to God for wisdom, coming to God for salvation, coming to God for relationship means being humble, recognizing you need him. Right? Wasn't it Jesus who said that he came not to heal the the healthy, but the sick? Those who know they need him? So that's, that's the foundation for why I think we can understand why Proverbs talks so much about humility and links humility so much with wisdom. I mean, Proverbs, as you read through it, constantly praises humility and just rails against pride. Pride is completely out of step with who God has designed us to be, just like Lee just led us in that great prayer of confession and praise. Pride is like someone dancing a jig when the band is playing a salsa. It's out of whack. It's out of step. It's dissonant. It's bothersome. It's wrong. Pride takes the whole God-us creator-creature picture and distorts it like a carnival mirror. It says we can be like God. We can have control of our lives. We can get all the glory for ourselves. And it attempts, attempts to shove God off his throne and set up a kingdom of self. And so pride, if we're to be truly wise, if we want to know God, pride must be crucified. Again, Tremper Longman writes, those who fear the Lord know that they aren't the center of the universe. So turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs 11. In verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. 
but with the humble is wisdom. So pride, Proverbs says, brings a fool disgrace. This sounds unpleasant. How about honor? Does it sound better? Turn to chapter 15, verse 33. The last verse there in in chapter 15. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. The one who sets himself up against God will fall, but humility brings you honor. This is what one of the most famous verses in all of Proverbs communicates. So turn to chapter 16, verse 18. This is probably, I don't know, I would guess maybe this is the proverb most people in the world know. Proverbs 16, 18, because it's kind of become just vernacular. Pride goes before destruction or a fall, and a haughty spirit before a fall. There's the fall. If If you think about it, it all makes sense. Set yourself up against God as pride would have you do. And all you've been designed for is going to come collapsing down on top of you. But set yourself up under God, not against him, but under him as humility would have you do. And you'll be on your way to a right view of who he is. And that means a right view of the purpose of your life altogether. This is important, friends. I think we need to understand as we are well, well along in our study in Proverbs, wisdom is not just knowing how to live life well. Wisdom is not just knowing how to live your life well. Wisdom is knowing the God who has made your life and knowing him well. Wisdom is knowing the God who made your life and knowing him well. So how are you doing in that? Spoiler alert. You've screwed up. We all have. Your, your sinful pride, my sinful pride, has distorted your life, has distorted God's good creation all around us. And that's why when I was studying humility and pride in Proverbs, the gospel just bowled me over again. It's almost too good to be true. When you hated God, Christian, when you had set yourself up as that pretender to his throne, when you deserved destruction for your pride, when you were trying to take his good creation that he made for your benefit and for his glory and try to twist it up and, and distort it and corrupt it, he took your pride and he was destroyed for you. You heard it right. Each one of us has sinned. We have believed our way is better than God's. We have tried to steal his glory for ourselves. And when we did that, we brought on ourselves this just eternal sentence of death. But when in pride we had set ourselves up against God, he came to us in humility and grace. We read it earlier in Philippians. God sent his son to bear the destruction our pride deserved. Jesus humbled himself, submitted himself to his father so he could be judged for you. And on the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God that each one of you deserves for your pride. And now... If we humble ourselves and repent and place our trust in him, we're saved. If you've never humbled yourself before God, 
completely humbled yourself, recognized you need him if you're ever going to be saved. If you've never done that, you can do that today. Don't put it off. One thing about pride is that it never gets softer. The more you nurture your pride, the more stubborn it's going to get. And Proverbs talks about those who who resist correction so much and stiffen their necks so much that instantly, suddenly, they're broken beyond all remedy. Don't be that, friend. Humble yourself and turn to the Lord and be saved. Wisdom starts with the right view of God, and to have that right view, we need humility. So, so that's the, the, the view of God that humility gives us. Let's go on and, and see, and this is briefer, Let's consider our view of ourselves. Humility gives you, friend, the ability to just give yourself an accurate self-assessment. So I don't know how many of you have gotten job evaluations over the last two months, right, with the close of 2020 and the opening of 2021. They can be fun. They they can be unfun. Sometimes they seem unfair. Humility will give you an accurate, fair self-assessment of your own heart. So turn with me to Proverbs 26, verse 12. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Humility means we don't see ourselves as icons of wisdom but as those who are dependent on guidance and understanding, ultimately from God himself. Uh, Paul picks up this idea in Romans 12 after he goes through this amazing treatise on doctrine of the gospel, and he gets to Proverbs, uh, Romans 12, and he starts showing how the gospel should work itself out in our lives. And he says to Christians, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that you're never allowed to think you have the right opinion. Of course not. You need, to, you need to believe that sometimes in order to function. Being humble doesn't mean constantly second-guessing yourself, but it does mean constantly listening and learning and growing. See, as a Christian, you're no longer out for your own glory. You just want to know what's wise. You just don't want to know it's right. And the moment you stop or you, you see yourself as the wisest person in the room is the moment you stop learning at all. And it's just the moment you, your, your path towards wisdom comes to a careening halt. Because there's always more to understand. If you want to grow in wisdom, you'll stop thinking you've already arrived at it. A wise person knows himself in his rightful place before God. And this makes him humble before others. Flip over to Proverbs 25. This is a very concrete example of how this works. Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. 
It's a very down-to-earth example of humility, and it makes the point clearly whether or not you're a regular in a king's courtroom, right? If you're going to be honored, let someone else do it. If you're going to be honored, let the king do it. Let him call you up. In Luke, Jesus takes a story and makes it his, and, and says it almost uh, kind of with the same idea. And this is the same sense we see over in chapter 27, verse 2. Look there. You've heard this one before. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. See, it's great. This, this proverb is not saying don't get praise. It's really encouraging when others encourage you and, and honor you and even praise you. But a wise person is humble. Not exalting himself, but exalting the Lord alone and grateful when the honor comes. Humility is not self-deprecation necessarily. It's not self-pity. Self-pity, if you think about it, when you've been self-pitying, self-pity is super self-centered. It's dishonest. It's asking for for some sort of encouragement. Humility is God-centered. It gives us the right view of God, the right view of ourselves. And our third point, the right view of others. The humble, wise person relates to others with humility, particularly when they criticize him. So I think there's a bunch more, but at least from what I wrote down for my study purposes, I noted 18 different proverbs related to taking advice guidance, or criticism from others. And the contrast between the wise person and the fool in those verses couldn't be more stark. So look at chapter 12, verse 1. Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Yeah, Kids, you can say that word in church if you're reading the Bible, right? The wise person receives counsel and criticism, not with rejection and anger, but with humility and responsiveness. Otherwise, he's stupid. He's a fool. He lacks sense. His humility, his uh, a righteous man's humility, his right view of God and himself makes him able to respond humbly to others, even when they're speaking against him. Has that happened to you this past week? Were you criticized? If you think about it, wisdom doesn't come automatically, right? You need to work on it. You need to learn it. And if you want to learn wisdom, you're going to have to listen for it. You're going to have to receive it from others. If you want to be wise, you need help getting there. So don't ignore the input of others. Welcome it. If you don't, you're not going to grow. You're never going to be wise. And Proverbs says, this is scary, Proverbs says that by ignoring reproof, you're, just, you're not going to just hurt yourself. Look at chapter 10, verse 17. Whoever, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. I found that verse particularly sobering. If you're unwilling to listen to direction, your example will rub off on those around you. 
Particularly if you have some, some position of authority where people follow you, whether you're a boss, an RA, a husband, a mother. If you don't listen to reproof, do you see what's going to happen? Those that you're hoping to lead you and listen to your reproof, they ain't going to listen either. Set a good example by being humble when you are reproved. Wise people heed instruction. Wise people are humble. In, in 2021, perhaps more than ever, at least in my short life, it costs socially and culturally to admit you're wrong. I mean, for a politician to admit they're wrong, unless it's advantageous, right, in the narrative of, of our mainstream culture, it's going to be self-destructive. It, it can appear self-destructive for some, for some of us sometimes to even admit someone else has a good point, especially if they're disagreeing with us and the argument we're trying to make. But Christian, in this world of cancel culture, you and I are called to be humble. Not to cancel people right away, but to listen to learn, to grow. So don't, right now, the tendency for me, and I assume for some of you, is to think of the people in your life that do this all the time. Think about your own heart if you're going to be wise. How do you receive criticism, even if a large part of it is unfounded? Do you lash out? Or do you listen, glean what's true, and grow? Look at chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, of course, as believers in Jesus, we're not going to budge on our non-negotiable beliefs. Most wonderfully, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that we've been singing about. But on matters of less significance, Christian, are you willing to listen to others? To hear them out? Are you, are you the owner of a thousand hills to die on? And so everything's a fight? I think we need to be willing to die on multiple hills. We need to be careful not to die on hills of less important issues where what's, just, what's needed is honest, open conversation. And that takes humility, Christian. Are you up for that? Or are you always right in your own eyes and so others have learned just not to question you at all? Christian, have people given up giving you advice? Look at chapter 13, verse 10. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. A church or a home where everyone is right and no one can ever admit to being wrong, a church or home where everyone needs to be the king, is a church or home of great strife. But a place where advice is welcomed is usually a place of wisdom and peace. So Christian, are you humble? Are you a good listener even when someone is criticizing you? Ask your spouse. Ask your kids, as Lee was praying for us earlier. 
they're going to tell you the truth, at least if they feel like they're not going to be shut out for doing so. Now, of course, you won't accept everyone's advice. Bad counsel is everywhere, but you won't shut everyone out either. See, one of the amazing ironies of the gospel is that the one who aims at honor will be brought low, while the one who aims at lowliness will be honored. The way to glory is through humiliation for the Christian. I mean, just look at our Savior. We've been singing about it, and we'll close by singing about it. He was brought low, but God has given him the name above every name. And as we follow him, our path to glory will likewise be through humiliation. Look at chapter 29, verse 23. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The New Testament echoes this teaching, right? Jesus himself said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the heart posture of the Christian, of the wise person. He seeks the honor, he, he seeks the honor that Christ will give him, not the fleeting honor of man's acclaim. I wonder, Christian, is that you? Do you put yourself in positions to learn from others and be held accountable? This is one of the purposes of what we call church membership. This idea of belonging to a community of Christians who are bound by covenant to one another. But here at Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, we know a right view of ourselves means acknowledging we can be hard-headed and prone to wander. We need others. We are dependent creatures. We need church leaders, as, as Jesus has instituted in his church to, to have authority over us. As Hebrews 3.13 puts it, we need to exhort one another every day that none of us be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So Christian, in order to be wise, in order to grow, you need other believers in your life. And the New Testament lays out this pattern of Christians committing themselves to local churches where elders and brothers and sisters in Christ care for them, love them, pray for them, and if need be, chase them down if they stray from Jesus. Church member, do you know that that's what you've signed up for when you signed the covenant to join Loudoun Valley Baptist Church? You signed up to say that if I stray from Jesus, you're going to come running after me. You're not going to let me fall away. The church is designed to be a place where we exhort one another. And that means we need to be humble. We need to learn to listen. This accountability is wise. So, so fellow member of Loudoun Valley Baptist Church, wisdom will mean being known then and accountable to others in this local body. Are you doing that? I know many of you are. Are other believers here aware of your life struggles and your goals? Are, they, are, are you seeking their help? Are you listening intently? Friend, receiving criticism and rebuke and counsel is not easy. That's why Proverbs beats this drum so many times. It's hard to be humble. So Christian, don't finally look at yourself. 
Look at Jesus. Look to the cross. The cross says the worst thing about you. Alfred Poyer has said, no one can criticize you more than the cross has already. Have you ever thought about that way? The cross, listen to what the cross says about you. The cross says you're such a wicked sinner that it took the Son of God nailed and killed on a cross and damned in God's judgment for your sin. That's the worst thing that could happen, and that's what your sin deserved. Talk about criticism. But the cross also says God loved you so much that he sent his son to do all of that. The cross simultaneously elevates your thorough wickedness and your thorough value. And your identity, Christian, is now not in your own self-image, not in your own glory, not in your pride, but in Jesus Christ. And so when others criticize you, listen, you're liberated from being crushed by that. Jesus was crushed for you. Instead, wisdom, Christian, means growing in viewing any criticism as another opportunity to grow in having a right view of God, a right view of yourself and a right view of others, being humble, wise, and more in love with Jesus than ever. My mentor, Mike McKinley, who is the pastor, is the pastor, last time I checked, of the church that sent us out, used a little article that you can find online called The, the Cross and Criticism all the time when he would counsel folks, and I've inherited that. Uh, so I might have handed that out to some of you at some point. little article called The Cross and Criticism by Alfred Poyer. And this is one, one of the things that Poyer says. He says, If I know myself as crucified with Christ, I can now receive another's criticism with this attitude. You haven't discovered a fraction of my guilt. Christ has said more about my sin, my failings, my rebellion, and my foolishness than any man can lay against me. I thank you for your corrections. They are a blessing and a kindness to me. For even when they are wrong or misplaced, they remind me of my true faults and sins, for which my Lord and Savior paid dearly when he went to the cross for me. And so I want to hear where your criticisms are valid. Have you ever done that? Have you ever considered growing in a heart posture like that even when people are criticizing you? Church, humility is necessary if we're to have a right view of God and of ourselves and others. So if you would be wise and draw closer to God, seek to grow in humility. Seek to hear others' counsel and look to Jesus. Remember him, the one who we behold as God, the one who is worthy of all adoring. This is stuff we're going to sing about in a few moments. The one to whom nothing can compare. God eternal, humble to the grave. Jesus, Savior, risen now to save. Follow your humble Savior, this is the way of wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge that there is no other way to wisdom 
There's no other way to you than through humbling ourselves. And we also recognize that there's not much harder in our lives than actually doing that. And so, Lord, we confess that we cling to our stubborn pride, often with every ounce of energy we have. Please forgive us. By your Holy Spirit, keep on prying our hands off our own glory, white-knuckling our own praise, and help us grow in the liberating freedom of living for your glory. Lord, we pray at Loudon Valley Baptist Church, you would help us to be countercultural in the way we respond to criticism, keeping our eyes on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.